And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lazarus Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Uh, yeah, I can't even talk. It's been so long. Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Mark, hello. It's been uh, it's been a minute since we've been together. Good to see you. It's training camp for everybody, Scott. Yep, yeah, including my, my voice. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> my words. But, uh, I, I was trying to think of the last time we actually had just a podcast of the two of us. So now it's strange because, I mean, obviously people won't be able to see this, but we're actually being able to see each other doing this via zoom so usually we uh are just blindly talking to each other yeah we got in the habit of that because we had so many guests over the off season that every time we did a zoom we had to do it or every time we did a podcast we had to do it through zoom and now it's just i guess that's the new normal now right we all live in zoom yeah had you ever heard of zoom before the pandemic like like how did this like how did zoom instantly become the go-to program because like i never used zoom before this really happened, and, all, and everybody immediately knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, Microsoft Teams or or Google Meet. It was going to be Zoom, the silliest sounding one of them all. How did that happen? We had a Microsoft Teams meeting recently, and I like had to download the whole thing. Like, yeah, it took me, like, it took me that? Even to get into it. Like it was just like, oh, it's this is different. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I had gotten some stock of Zoom before all this happened. Though. I'm starting to think that 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 Zoom might be behind the COVID pandemic. Like they put it out into the world. <laughs> this is how they got rich. Who else has gotten rich during this time? The uh, the marijuana stores, probably Donald and, Trump. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange how some people have profited. And, and now I tweeted this yesterday. I, I, it might be Canada, too. This might be a Justin Trudeau operation where they did all this just so that Canada's guaranteed a spot in the conference finals this year. Because it's been, what, 27 years since the Montreal Canadiens won the Cup in 93? They set up this whole global pandemic just so they might have an actual chance <laughs> of winning their own Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that, uh, that whole Canadian. It's not a very uh, good division, is it? Like, no, I mean, no. Toronto has the potential to be good. Yeah. I think Toronto's really good. I think Toronto just... I, I think someone phrased it correctly that Toronto just needs enough chances. Like, eventually, if you have this core together and they're still young enough, like, eventually, I think... Like, they, they had some really tough luck last year, and I, I know people love hating on Toronto and saying that, you know, like, there aren't the pieces there, but they're really they're really good. You they know? should like, be. I feel like, they should be, yeah. yeah. I, I think it clicks eventually. Um, but, yeah, who else... Uh, I guess Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver's got some... 
pieces. Yeah, they lost Markstrom, right? And yeah. um, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Elias Pettersson guy. I could see him being an MVP candidate very, very soon. So I mean, they got good players, but there's no dominant team up there. You know, there's no like, you know, the the, the central. Is that was that what we're called now? The central that's got Tampa in it. You know, the East has Boston, and you know, uh, all all these good teams out east. The Penguins and the Flyers. Uh, the West has Vegas and the and St. Louis because you know St. Louis gateway to the West and all. Um, so the, there's good teams in every division. I, I just Canada division that's wide open, man. He, you know, Connor Hellebuck has another year like he had. Who knows? Winnipeg could be the team to beat out of there if, yeah. if Carey Price gets his stuff together and Montreal's prospects take a step forward. Montreal could be the team. I mean, it's wide open up there. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm sure. Uh... Yeah, I don't. I think following Twitter is just going to be straight. Like hockey Twitter is going to be so different this year because you're, you're like it's it's going to be like you just don't you know it's more like old NLAL baseball where you don't see a team for the entire season right like you're comparing a team to another and trying to figure out who's the better team and it's going to be weird that they won't see I mean you won't see certain teams until the playoffs right well 2013 was like that for us to our first year on the beat was it was only intra conference play so we didn't see any Eastern Conference teams until. Boston in the Stanley Cup final and and I, there is kind of a magic to that where it's like a team that you haven't seen all year. And the 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 coolest part about this this one-off realignment is you could have division rivals meet in the Stanley Cup final. You could have Montreal Boston in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. You could have Toronto Boston. You could have in theory you could have Blues Blackhawks because it's not going to be seeded it's going to be seeded by points not by you know there's no Western Conference and Eastern Conference issues. There's no conferences at all. So the potential for like the kind of matchups you could never get uh, you know, it would be amazing to get some of these rivalries. I mean, we might wind up with just some kind of traditional East versus West anyway. It might be Vegas yeah. versus Boston, but uh, it would be, there's there's a lot of potential for for crazy chaos and just I'm I'm here for it. Let's just embrace the weird for one year. Uh, well, I, I wonder I wonder if it, if it's something that ends up being like you know Boston Philly that you know like they're like well this maybe this is something that we should be having you know that further on that it just. Um, the the fact that every team sees each other like and there's not as much as you know like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like the separation you know like the fact right. that you don't play you don't obviously the east and west teams don't play as much against each other but they're yeah I don't know it'd be, it'd be cool if the Stanley Cup final was you know there were different possibilities and sometimes the best teams are you know it feels like the conference final sometimes is the best teams you know the best teams are coming sometimes out it's the second round because of the divisional playoff format sometimes like you know the you know, what was a couple of years ago it was uh it was Blues Blackhawks in uh 2016 those were two of the best teams in the or, league I was thinking I was even thinking of 14 where it's it's the, the Blackhawks Kings and then they go on to play the Rangers you know like right, it felt yeah. like that too. It felt like whoever was coming out of that series, it was, that's the right year, right? The, the Kings yeah, beat the, the Kings Rangers. went on to beat the Rangers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's weird that, and I, it's weird because we, we, we jumped in this podcast and we didn't really see hockey's back. And like we, we actually, oh yeah, hockey's we had back, a, by the way, guys. <laughs> we had a pre, pre-production meeting on uh, Slack earlier, which we, we never do. And we actually like, oh, we're going to do this and then this. Um, but, uh, and, and we've already disrupted that, but, um, we were going to talk about the 2013 season, and for me, it's I I, w- I wish I got to cover the 2013 season later in my hockey career because that's basically <laughs> when my hockey because I, I one I hated like I hated it from the start and I I, I don't have an appreciate I have a different appreciation now for it than I did. At yeah, the you were time. not like, happy to be on a beat that most people would kill for. Yeah, no, it was it was <laughs> awful, and I wanted I wanted to end, and it was it was very condensed, and it was you know like it was a grind, and the playoffs went on. And it was like, oh, just get me the fuck out of here, and it you, just you're, you're the only person I know that was like, 
you know, you have this option of covering uh, um, a major team in a major pro sport. And you're like, I'd rather cover high school basketball, though. It's <laughs> true. Like, I, I'd, I'd rather have been in the Chicago Public League gym covering a game. And, um, yeah, I don't, and part of it was just my dislike for hockey then. So it's, it's weird thinking back on it now. Just like I, I certainly have more of an appreciation for what the Hawks did in that season and just hockey in general. But it, it'd be fun now to cover a season like that where it was – um, it, it was a grind because the playoffs were like, you know, like it was, it was, it was every... fun, man. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> instead of me wanting it to end, like the moment, you know, like it was, it was yeah, it was just like, when the that was me <laughs> in, uh, in 2016 after three straight years of covering four rounds of the playoffs and traveling full time in the beat, I was sitting there in the, in the press room in St. Louis of game seven. I was in my brain actively rooting for the blues to win. I think I was so <laughs> done. I was so exhausted. The physical and, and just mental grind of doing that for three years. I'm like, I can't do another playoff run. I don't have it in me. I'm losing my mind. I was bitchy and crabby to people. I noticed after the fact, just what a, I was just a very unpleasant person to be around by then. And I needed that off season. So I think that's the one time where I was, uh, I was maybe secretly actively rooting against the Blackhawks. <laughs> I, I had a few breaking points. There was one in the 15th final in Tampa. Like we, we had been grind for a while, and all of a sudden, it becomes more of a national coverage because you know Burnside and Pierre, everyone came on, and and our ESPN editor had asked asked me to do. Oh, it was it was like it was they wanted like this big feature on um, building the game, and it was like it was just it was something like I was gonna have to make many phone calls, and like it was this huge feature, and. It, Oh, I can't remember. There, I think there was a study that came out about something about uh, youth hockey and divert or something. But it was like you you had to do all these phone calls, and it's like you know, like a mid of a seven game scene. You know, like it's you're, you're f- flying back and forth, and it was just like I had my breaking point. I wrote the story, and it was fine, but it was like I don't know what else I can do. You know, and then the other one was in uh, in fourteen. Uh, we had to move on June first of that. Uh, like uh, we were renting then, and they were going to renovate the apartment, and they they told us we had to move out by this date because, and, and so it was it was right during the playoffs. So that was, was right like game the, seven of the Kings. Yeah, it was series, game wasn't seven. It? So I think the morning of <laughs> game seven that we had to move out of the apartment to go. So yeah, it was just uh, it was bad. And then I always remember the Boston series in thirteen, just in the fact that there was there were two Boston games where I never slept and just went from the hotel to uh, to the flight where I had six like a five a.m. flight from. Uh, the Southwest. Why, Scott? One, what were you doing after the game that took you so long? Uh, well, the first one was well, the overtime. There was an overtime game, wasn't there? Oh, I just assumed there was drinking involved. Oh no, no, neither, neither, <laughs> neither time was. Uh, neither time, unfortunately, just work. And the, the second, oh, actually, the second time uh, when the game well, they won in six games, right in Boston. Yes. And then we after after it got done writing, I went with uh, Joe McDonald. Like um, someone owns a bar right around there. And we went over to the bar, like it was it was legally open, you know, like you, you knocked on the door and someone <laughs> let you in. And we went over there for like an hour. But then after that, we went straight to the hotel, got my bag and went to the flight. So, um, but yeah, I always just, yeah, some of those, like, it's not even the memories of the games. It was just like how much, you know, like yeah. not sleeping. And, it, and It's and funny how much I miss that, though. I miss, I, I said this in that story I wrote like a couple weeks, I miss being tired. Like I sleep eight to ten hours every night now. Yeah. I have to get up to get my kids to school, and that's basically. I miss the 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 exhaustion of being on the road of that lifestyle. I miss that. Like that's been my life for eight years now, and it's so strange to just never be tired. It's and I kind of miss that. I, I feel like I'm not working hard enough if I'm not tired. 
I hate you because obviously my daughter had her, her sleep regressions and like I never <laughs> did, like there was a whole period of the pandemic where I was up at by five o'clock. So I oh yeah, god, I, my kids don't, don't get out of bed till ten if it's uh, not a school day. Oh, I, yeah, I don't feel you. Um, <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But let's talk about the the divisions where it's, uh, you know, we were kind of even just glancing at it like it. If the Blackhawks had Crawford made some of these moves, like I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know. Obviously, there's there's Tampa and there's Carolina, and uh, who am I missing here? Um, Dallas and Dallas, um, and even Dallas feel like I, I feel like there's Tampa, and then you know Carolina is obviously yeah. pretty good. Dallas put it together last year. Um, they're they're ahead of the Blackhawks, but then it's Columbus, it's it's Florida, um, and then. Uh, Detroit. I honestly think the Blackhawks are a playoff team this year if they have Corey Crawford in this divisional setup. I think they'd get that fourth seed. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot more interesting, right? Like, I it's it, it could have gone either way. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they're pretty similar to Florida where they were last season, right? Yeah, I mean, Florida. They they're, they just they don't have the horses, really. They, you know, they they're they're that they're in that permanent mushy middle. Like, I'm, we'll like I mean, if, if if Bob comes back and he's good, I mean, obviously they just added to declare and they're making some moves with the new GM, so maybe um, Columbus is interesting. Where it's uh, it wasn't expected to do as well as you know the Blue Jackets. Columbus is one of those teams where it's like it's it's, it's interesting because John Tortorella has somehow over the last few years actually become a pretty good coach, and you know he's got his team. It's got he's got that Barry Trotz like effect on his team where they play really good defense and they have good goaltending and they can win games. I don't think they're a quote unquote good team. They're certainly not a scary team, but they're a team that's going to be very competitive almost every night because of the way they play. So you know that's not a team that's a lock for one of those top four spots, but they're a team that you would have to get past sure. And then Nashville, Nashville was a team that it felt like it was heading in the right direction after it beat the Blackhawks, and then it fell off the map and. And certainly, they're kind of questions on what direction they're going. So I, I feel like Nashville's another team that's, uh, yeah, yes, they they're, they're probably better than the Blackhawks. But it, it you know, given you know, like if you put Crawford, you put a couple of different variables in there. Like I could see the Blackhawks beating Nashville. Like I mean, yeah. I, I can still, certainly still see the Blackhawks with Crawford being a team that struggled to, to get in the playoffs. But it was certainly more realistic. And um, but now you, you eliminate Crawford and, and you put it in, and, and right now it feels like. Yeah, unless Delia or Lankinen or Subban step up, like it, it feels like the Blackhawks are going to be closer to Detroit than anyone else in the division. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's no knock on Delia, Subban, or Lankinen, but you almost have to assume that they're going to be league average or worse. It, it, it's, it's not reasonable. I mean, they might surprise you. I mean, we see it all the time where goalies come out of nowhere and they just play great. But 
until we see it, we have to assume that they're going to be league average or worse because they've, they're minor league goalies. That's what they've been their entire careers for the most part. So it's, it's really hard to, you know, see a team and, 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 and expect anything good to come from this season when that's your goaltending. Cause we all know goaltending is the most important position in the, in, in the league. It's the only guy who's on the ice for 60 minutes and they single-handedly control and win, can win and lose games. And the Blackhawks just don't have anyone who's proven they can do that night in and night out. Let alone have two guys, which this year is going to be extra important because you're playing 56 games in what, 110, 115 days? We saw that back in 2013. That's one of those lessons we learned in 2013 is you need two goalies. I was I wrote a story today about that and I went back and looked at it and there were nine goalies in 2013 that played at least 40 games. And they were all in sixth place teams or worse because that's not a way to win in a compressed season. The Blackhawks had Ray Emery that year. He went 17-1. and won. That was their backup goalie. Their backup goalie got more Vezina votes than Corey Crawford did, and Crawford was great that year. The, the recipe for success, the final four teams that year, which was what, Pittsburgh, Boston, Chicago, and Los Angeles, all their goalies played 35 or fewer games. They're number one goalies. It's the only way to survive that kind of compressed schedule. You can't just lean on one guy. It can't be just Carey Price and nobody else. That just doesn't work. And, and that's what's interesting now is that because you mentioned like these guys being AHL goalies, like I was talking to Hedge about Columbus even last year. Columbus sort of went in this situation, similar situation where they they handed over the net to a couple unproven guys, but with uh, with Merz, Merz, how do you Merz, spell Merzlikens? Merzlikens. That 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 you sort of knew that he was an elite talent, and yeah, and I. I I think Subban is, is you know, he's been in the NHL. He's more than a minor league goalie, but he's been mostly a number two, and he and he struggled as a number two. Like, his numbers haven't been great. Even in Vegas where, you know, it's a defensive team, and uh, Delia has been a really good AHL goalie, but it's he's had ups and downs in Rockford, and uh, he's played well in spurts in the NHL, but it's not there's not a large sample size. And Lincoln, it's like we saw what happened at the Worlds, but it's, it's also like, well, we saw there, and we saw what happened, and, you know, he played well in Finland, but it's still... He had, you know, as good as he was to begin last season, like he had a dip in Rockford. And I, I'm still sort of surprised that there's not a, like, there's not like a latent type or someone that they brought on that had more experience. And, and even now with the taxi squad, like, I, I think, you know, we can get into some of that too. But like now, like, I don't know if you want Lincoln in or, you know, as your, as your taxi squad person, you want, you want that goalie. he's not playing. Yeah. You want that goalie playing. And that's. And and I've seen and I, I you know we'll get to the questions but I had seen someone ask about the taxi squad and I I don't think you necessarily want prospects guys that you want playing on that taxi squad because those guys are just going to be practicing and and even you know like it's going to be morning skates and there probably won't be as many practices because I, I yeah I'm I'm curious too how Colleton kind of handles that because when I mean I I don't remember many practices in 2013 when and Quinville didn't practice a whole lot but it's certainly when I can. It was fewer than ten practices that entire year. Was it? Joe Quinville. Wow. It was fewer than ten. It was. He. He. I remember him saying like the second day of camp. He's like, hey, "We're pretty much not going to practice this year." And you can do that because they had a veteran team. Thirteen of their top fourteen scorers were returning guys. Were veterans. You know, Brandon Sod being really the only new face. It was Brandon Sod and Michael Roosevelt were really the only new faces in the organization. So you can get away with that. Yeah. The Blackhawks have all these young players that need reps. They suck at what two things? Team defense and the power play. What do they spend most of their time? In practice working on team defense and the power play. So either these guys are going to be worn out, you know, worn down to the nub by play being on the ice six nights a week, or they're going to not be, you know, practice. They're not going to get the reps they needed. This is a bad, 
the, the division alignment favors the Blackhawks more than the original division alignment, but everything else is bad for the Blackhawks. This setup yeah. is not going to be good for a young team that needs its reps and isn't going to get it, that needs a goal, needs two goaltenders, goal, two goaltenders and doesn't necessarily even have one right now. And you mentioned the Columbus, you know, the Merzlikens and those guys were playing behind one of the best team defenses, one of the stingiest teams in the league. Yeah. Delia Lankin and Subban, they're going to be playing behind the statistically the worst defense in the league. So, you know, not only is it going to be hard for them to like make up for things the way that Crawford and Leonard were able to do, but their confidence is going to be shattered potentially. If they're getting 40 shots a game and they're giving up five goals a game, their, their development is going to be severely hampered by the confidence issues that are going to come from just getting shelled night in and night out. You can't do that to a young goalie, to a guy who's trying to make his way in the league. So there's a lot of potential for disaster here. There's things to like. There's reasons to be optimistic. But there's also the potential that the Hawks are going to lose every game 6-4. to four. Yeah. No, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and I, it's it's weird because those guys aren't really young, you know? Like, Delia's True. 20 or 26, and it's... But it's, the fact that they're new to the NHL, like you don't, you still don't want to expose them to, you know, just getting lit up. And I, I, right. I think Dilly experienced some of that. I mean, he had some, he had some pretty big games uh, when he came up to the NHL. Like it wasn't like they were Blackhawks were containing many shots when he came up that first time. But yeah, I, I, I see how this can get really tough. And I think, I think the start of the season is going to be so important. I mean, it always is. But you know, thirteen, I felt like that start was so big. And then even now, like this. It feels like if this goes the wrong way, like you can just you you can lose everyone's confidence, and certainly I think the cores. Uh, I, I think they're. I I think they've had enough time to sit on the Corey Crawford news and in trading side, and now you know they've talked to Blackhawks management, and there's enough time now that, that when we talk to them next, that they're gonna they're gonna be very measured in what they say and, and very right. behind the. But I, I feel like that can all go out the door as soon as you know if they go on a losing streak or. Like the signs are that it is more of a rebuild than they probably even hope. And that's, you know, th- there's just so many things to deal with. I mean, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you, you know, you have this core that still wants to win right now. And you are, you also have this rebuild to manage. So you, who plays? Are you going to get Philip Kurashev in there? Are you going to get some of these young guys in there? You know, even though you went out and signed a couple of veterans and Lucas Walmark, Matthias Yanmark, you, you're adding all these guys. You still have the veteran guys. Where is everybody going to fit? Not everybody can play on the fourth line. Yeah. Uh, you know, how are you going to, to to walk this line between, you know, seeing what you have this year and maybe having something that you can win with, but also the stated goal, the outwardly stated goal of getting young guys playing time? How do you toe that line if you're Jeremy Carlton, who also, by the way, still, as of now at least, is on the last year of his contract and is theoretically coaching for his job. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And Pierre LeBron keeps on reporting that he, uh, you know, he expects Colleton to get an extension. And I do too. Pierre Pierre's tapped into that, so I, yeah, I, yeah, no, for sure. Stan Bowman said as much that he that he's he's got all the confidence in the world in Jeremy, and Jeremy's the guy he wants leading these young players. But the fact of the matter is, if you're Jeremy Colleton, if you don't have that paper signed yet, and you're going into this season, your last year of your contract, and you want to keep your job, 
you sure as hell don't want to go start the season, you know, three twenty one and zero. It would benefit Colleton and the Blackhawks and and Stan Bowman, who's obviously stood behind them, probably get this contract done before the start of the season. Like it would absolutely eliminate a lot of questions. Um, which I, which I feel like this is a good segue into the other thing we want to talk about is the Blackhawks restructure and um and you know them dividing into two presidents, which I think we sort of expected. Um, but for one of those presidents to be Stan Bowen, probably it's unexpected. Um, yeah, it, it feels it. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it's the easy way out, but it was like they. This was a way to guarantee that Stan Bowman gets a, a chance at this. Re, you know this this rebuild. You know, like this is going to allow him to um, see it through. And yeah, I, and, I, and we've been written about it you know a few times now and talked about it. But it, yeah, I don't. It's it, it it it's a strange decision. Just it, it's it, it you put you gave him the complete control and oversight of himself and the staff, and it's a staff that it's been together for a long time. Like he, it just it hasn't. You know, I, I know you'd asked uh, even Stan Bowman this the other day about maybe bringing in some fresh eyes and fresh takes because it's a staff that has um, you know Mark Eden. I think maybe the latest person, and it's been you know it's been six or seven years since, since right. he was hired. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and, and Stan's argument was, well, these, you know, you look at Kyle Davis and Mark Eaton, these guys haven't been at the high end of the of the food chain yet, so they are bringing fresh eyes, but they're really not. They're still Blackhawks employees. They've been in, steeped in Blackhawks culture for the last, you know, for some of these guys, 10, 15 years. There is no change in upper management for a decade now. And I think I... <laughs> At some point, you need to bring in someone with a different perspective to, you know, not, it doesn't have to be Lincoln's team of rivals here, but you need someone to say, no, this, you're, you're doing this wrong because everyone who is in that decision-making, you know, circle right now has been making decisions for the Blackhawks for a long time now. And they see the world a certain way. You need to bring in someone who sees things differently and maybe they don't get anything accomplished. Maybe the Blackhawks way is the correct way. I'm not even saying that it's not. They have, they have a lot to stand on and say, look, we know what we're doing here, but to just outright dismiss the idea of bringing in some new faces, it's concerning to me if I'm a Blackhawks fan to think that nothing's changing given they haven't really, you know, done anything for five years now that they've been kind of running in place. Um, if you're starting from scratch in, in your mental, you know, mentally you're starting from this is the rebuild. It starts now. Wouldn't you want to bring in some fresh thoughts? Wouldn't you want to bring an outsider's perspective just to throw it into the mix as a, you know, assistant to the assistant of the assistant GM, just somebody? I think at some point you need to do that. Isn't it all strange to you that Norm McIver got demoted throughout all this? Like it, like he yes. was, he was there for, he's been there a long time. He and, was the number two, basically. He was Stan yeah. Bowman's number two for a long time and clearly has fallen out of that decision-making circle in the last few years. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure where that adds up. And I mean, he's a guy whose name would come up for other GM. Every time a GM job would open up, well, Norm McIver He's been the number two in Chicago and look at all they've accomplished. He would seem to be like, that's was the next step for him was to get a GM job somewhere. That's how well thought of he was. And he's really just dropped off the face of the earth, uh, in that Blackhawks hierarchy. And it's, it's, it's been interesting that it's happened during like a, a losing time, you know, like it's, and, and you wonder if it's just, it's, it's how much the voices are different or how much of what, you know, like if, if you bring a different opinion to the, the you know, the table, like what's what's being considered and you know like I feel like Stan Bowman and, and Al McIsaac have a lot of say and, and they've had a lot of say and, and that's what you felt like bringing in a president of another someone an outsider with a president of hockey box just to oversee it and be like 
maybe we need to go in this direction because I feel like even now, like regardless of what you know, Mark Eden or Kyle Davidson bring to the table, like I, I, I still feel like Stan Bowman's gonna, he's probably gonna decide what he thinks is best, and I, and I, and for a while there that was working, but it, it hasn't worked for a while. So I, 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 I thought my perspective was that as an outsider, you know, someone bringing an outsider in would have brought a different opinion and someone that could have just maybe brought a little bit more accountability to those decisions that were being made. And I think we both expect that sometime down the road, president of hockey op Stan Bowman will hire a GM to replace himself. But I think neither of us think that's going to come from the outside. It's going to be someone that he's groomed yeah. for that job. It's going to be some, one of these guys that's been moving up the ladder within the company. I don't think they're going to go outside the, the organization to do that. So it's, it's going to be a, a Bowman protege. That's the next GM of the Blackhawks, whether that's a year from now or five years from now. With Danny Ward staying on, I, Danny's, I, I guess, still technically Stan's boss. So I, I think if this doesn't, I assume they give it a few years to see whether this goes in the right direction, rebuild occurs as they're hoping it will. But eventually if it doesn't, then like, it's going to be Danny's call still. Like, it's not even like a hot, you know, like someone's going to have to say to Stan, your vision didn't work or something, um, you know, something didn't add up here that, you know, like we may have to go in a different direction. But I, I yeah, I don't know. Just but by making Stan Bowman that position, I, I feel like it's there's there's a lot more responsibility on Danny Wirtz if this goes wrong and then you have to eventually decide that this wasn't the right decision. So Well, I, that, I think, that, that, that's the biggest dynamic change, right, is, is, is back when it was John McDonough, a, John McDonough dabbled in hockey ops. There's no doubt about that. Everybody yeah. knows it. He would influence hockey-making decisions, not constantly, but significantly. He would he would drop in and say, this is what's happening now uh, for all sorts of reasons. Um, and B, Al McIsaac was the go-between between Stan Bowman and John McDonough. He was the gatekeeper, so to speak, of what, what could and couldn't get done. Under this new structure, from everything we understand, Al McIsaac now directly reports not to the president, but to Stan Bowman. So Stan, this is what they're talking about when they talk about, you know, Danny Wirtz and all his, his corporate buzzwords that I kind of half understand line of sight. This is Stan Bowman's line of sight. He has an unobstructed view of all of hockey operations and he is in total control of that there's nobody to stand in his way. Danny Wirtz said, I ain't going to get involved in hockey ops. And I don't expect he will anytime soon because that's not his area of strength. And Jamie Faulkner, her job is on the business side. It's on the fan experience side. It's on the financial end. She doesn't have a hockey ops background either, where John McDonough kind of fancied himself a hockey guy after a few years. So this is Stan Bowman's thing now. It's all him. He has total control now. So it'll be really interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. If there's things that he couldn't get done before, that he can get done now, I'm curious to see what those things might be. I'm not sure how much is going to change, you know? Like, a lot of people are like, well, maybe this is saying that John McDonough had more of a say. And I, I think I, I think he did have a say. And, and But I also don't think it was as large as some people think, too. Like, I, I think all of a sudden people are swaying the other way, like, well, maybe Stan hasn't been able to allow to do, you know, do what he what he's wanted to. And I, I don't, for everything I've heard that I don't think that's the case. I, I, think, I think John McDonough stepped in at times, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't consistent, and, it wasn't, and there wasn't a quantity of them. I, you know, I'd heard that when it came to Adam Bocas being recalled this year, I heard that John had a say in that, and that you know, at that point, I think the Blackhawks were kind of trying to have to reverse their message. Like they, they obviously went into the year thinking we're going to win, um, and they they prepared that off season. You know, like there's every sign that off season by trading for Dahan and Mata and and everything they'd Shaw that. 
they were pursuing, you know, playoffs. And then when it showed that they weren't going to, then all of a sudden they needed to spin the message a little bit and say that we need we need to go with youth. And and that's why you saw Adam Bolquist recalled, even though he wasn't playing well in Rockford. I mean, I, I don't think anyone was more surprised than Adam Bolquist being recalled when he did at that time. So I, I think there are certain decisions, but I also um, – I don't think Stan Bowman was prohibited from doing his job. And I, I don't, you know, I haven't heard a whole lot of that. It's John McDonough made a lot of decisions that restricted him. So I don't know how much it changes. It certainly does give him more of an oversight. And I, I think there's a little bit more freedom, but I, I, I don't think it drastically changes from what it was before. All right. We're running a little long here. We, we did ask for questions. We should probably try to answer a couple of them. Sure. Uh, let me call it up here. Uh, man, I tweet a lot. It's hard to find tweets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we have answered some of them already. You know, uh, uh, the Chief asked us about you know, Stan hiring a GM, and some asked about the goalies. Um, uh, here's a good one from Benjamin Tomjack. You kind of alluded to this. How frequently do you think the Hawks will swap their third goalie with Rockford? Do you think it'll be 50-50 to keep them playing as much as possible? I guess that would be 33-33-33. Or would they always keep the top three with them? Subban, Dillian, and Lankin, and I, that, that's what we need to figure out is how this taxi squad is going to work. And I, with with Rockford being so close to Chicago, like if they have a, you know, like if it's a COVID case or whatever, I, I think there's also a possibility of like the guy who's on the taxi squad doesn't necessarily the guy who gets recalled, you know? Like I, I think now it makes sense to put Tompkins as the taxi squad guy because um, unfortunately, you know, he's just probably the one that's further down the, the pecking order. And, and so you keep Lincoln and Rockford playing consistently. Um, and then I imagine the backup in Rockford, it'll be a guy under, uh, I think they have two goalies under uh, AHL contract. So one of those be, is the backup. And then, and then Tompkins is on the taxi squad. And then if you have enough time, then you, you recall Lincoln and, you know, like, um, and maybe on the road, obviously that won't be possible, but if you're at home, um, or it's it's close enough. I, I think Lincoln stays in Rockford, so he gets playing time, and then you have that uh, he's recalled instead of the taxi squad guy. And um, so I, I think uh, yeah, that's the problem is with with the taxi squad. Like you just one, there's not a whole lot of practices. Two, I mean, if the guy's a true prospect, then you want him uh, you want him playing and not practicing the whole time. So I, I think I think having guys like Perry and uh, Sealer make a lot of sense in the taxi squad. Maybe even a, a Quinville who's 24. Um, you know, younger guys like Hagel and Kurashev, you probably want them playing. Um, and, again, as close as Rockford is, and if, if it works out, then I think you can recall one of those guys. And and you're also, I mean, you still have two guys. Uh, you're still healthy scratching players. So it's, I mean, you're talking for a lot of things to happen for a taxi squad player to probably end up playing considering you'll still have healthy scratches and, and other guys on your roster. Well, it'll be interesting because it, a lot of it will depend on how much they plan to practice, like you said, because – Having Lankin in with the team constantly, having three goalies on the ice for every practice, he can get that work with Jimmy Wade. He can work with the other goalies. He can get a taste of NHL-caliber players as he's going up against. And you have to decide whether AHL game action is worth more than NHL practice action and having access to the to, to the coaching staff all the time. Yeah, I, I tend to – I mean, ultimately, I mean, Jimmy's going to – It's it's the quality of reps and the quantity of reps and then – you know, like if if Jimmy Waite's already working with, uh, like he's already working with young goalies. I I feel like it, there's gonna. It's not like you're just gonna have like Corey Crawford out there. Like you you have guys who are, uh, you know, like their initial experiences. I guess especially in Delia. Like I feel like there's gonna be more one on work one on one on one work with him just because he doesn't have as much NHL experience. So are you spreading weight maybe thin then too? So I, I tend to think that. Um, you know, working with uh, with Aubrey down in Rockford and, and getting those those quantity and quality reps, and then and just getting the game experience. 
Um, you know, if someone's just practicing and then thrown into a game three or four weeks into it without any NHL game, you know, without any game experience, I, I wonder how how up to speed they'll be. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, these certainly questions that I, I'm sure that we'll have once camp opens and, and the Blackhawks are probably figuring out behind closed doors now. But it'll be interesting because I, I think there is a balance of what what it, what does the NHL experience give you and what is it? Um, what are the I guess the other yeah, upsides and downsides to that? Mirabel Chow uh, asked, uh, why are the Hawks letting Kirby Doc play in the World Juniors? Is it to give him a chance to be in a leadership role? Um, I think it's a good idea to have him playing out there. I mean, there's always risks involved. I mean, we saw it, even at the Olympics, you know, John Tavares blows out his knee during the Olympics. And, you know, these things can happen at these international tournaments. Um, and obviously there's a COVID concern just with everything that's been happening with the World Juniors. But it, 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 it's, no, it, it's nothing but good experience for Doc to be, A, to be the captain of that team. This is already a confident kid. That's just going to give him – he's out there saying, I'm like, I'm going to be like Jonathan Taves out here and, and, and leading a team, um, a very good team that's probably going to win a gold medal. Uh, that's all good experience and just the opportunity for him to be dominant. He's probably going to score a lot of points in that series, in that tournament. And then he comes back from the World Juniors just in time for the start of the season, feeling really good about himself in midseason form, you know, feeling the offense flowing. Because let's face it, we've all talked him up a lot over the last year. The offense hasn't been quite there yet. He was, he was starting to show it a little bit in the postseason. But, you know, if he's going to be a number one center, he's got to score a lot of points. And he's going to probably do that at the World Juniors, kind of a man among boys there. And that can only help him carry that momentum into the, the NHL regular season. There's a risk involved, but it, it's a risk, I think, well, it's well worth taking. Yeah, and I guess the fact that they, they already had the COVID, like, it, 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 that was the, the massive risk. And, and, and Canada went through that. And I haven't heard of, you know, the doc was one of the people who got it, but like that would have been the major concern is whether, you know, whether you're exposing him to that. And it, it seems like a decision a lot of hockey people are making, you know, like it's not to excuse it or, or to downplay it because I, I certainly would add questions, you know, putting, you know, further exposing players and especially wasn't, you know, like just not knowing what the Canada situation was with the bubble. And obviously it was, it wasn't a, a great bubble considering someone got it. So, um, and even now, like, you, you see other Blackhawks players. I mean, we saw Lucas Reichel now tested positive. I know Tim Sorland said he tested positive and potentially some other prospects who aren't playing in the World Junior. So um, I, I think that's something that a lot of NHL teams and clubs are obviously, uh, they've made that decision that the um, that risk is, is worth taking. Okay, Brady asks, what's the best show you binge watch during this wild year? I've been just plopped on my recliner for months at a time now, but what about you? Um. Yeah, I, was, I actually saw this question before, so I was trying to go through like, what have I watched? You know, like it feels like it's been felt like it's been forever. So I, the, the shows that I that I remembered watching this year was uh, I May Destroy You, which was on HBO, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Normal People, which is uh, right up my alley with Irish uh, Irish show that was on Hulu, and then uh, recently I watched Ted Lasso, which I know isn't for everyone, but I really oh, loved Ted. so great! It was I, so I, great. I loved Ted, Ted Lasso. It was so. pure. Uh, I, I went in there very skeptical of that show. It was pure yeah. joy. It was amazing. I, 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 yeah, I, I completely enjoyed it too. So I, I know it wasn't as highly rated as some other shows, and um, I just started watching Central Park on Apple, which uh, which is okay. But yeah, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed Ted Lasso. This this is my list. This is everything I've watched since quarantine started. And it's almost embarrassing how many how much TV I've watched. I watched. I finished. I was watching Brooklyn Nine Nine when things went down. So I watched all of that. <laughs> I watched all of Star Wars Clone Wars and all of Star Wars Rebels, which proved very convenient for this year of Mandalorian. Then I watched the two seasons of What We Do in the Shadows, which is great. The two seasons of Harley Quinn on HBO, which is phenomenal. It's so good and so foul mouthed and so funny. 
all the stuff that Marvel comics would never let happen. DC's like, yeah, fuck, go nuts. Uh, Shit's Creek, I watched all of Shit's Creek. That was nice. Uh, Letterkenny, everyone said I had to watch Letterkenny as a hockey writer. I did. It was funny. It was great. Then I watched Ted Lasso, Barry, and Succession in the last month on my little vacation here. And honestly, of all the things I watched, I think Ted Lasso was the thing I enjoyed the most. I, it yeah. was so unexpected. I thought it was going to be really silly. And it wound up being like really kind of moving in a lot of ways. Like it was really good and uplifting yeah. and happy and fun and kind of. I was entertained. And, you know, yeah. it, it had that, it had that parks and rec feel to it where you just, you just found yourself smiling throughout the entire course yeah. of the show. Yeah. And I think we all could use a show like that. It was the perfect COVID-19 show. Uh, I, I know that. We, do we have any more questions, or is there anything? Ah, uh, we've we've answered most of them. They're, they're all kind of of a, of a piece that we've already answered. And I know we've gone long today, but we actually talked about some structure. And 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 as we go on throughout the season, I think we're going to try some different things with the podcast. And and certainly, if people have ideas, we're open to them. But we'd like to, uh, yeah, have a little bit more structure to our podcast <laughs> in the future. And um, and I'm sure this will last for last for a month or so until we decide that. We don't have time, and we'll just start free rolling again. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's how we that's how we do our coverage. It's not like we, we're not really, we're not really big planners, are we? <laughs> no, we're not. We always get the job done, and that's all that matters. Yeah, so. we like to wing it. It's we're we're improvisational. It's more fun that way. Yes. Um, do you have uh, anything else you'd like to add, sir? No, I'm 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 genuinely excited to 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 go to the rink again. I just you know I know that we'll be a million miles away from the ice and we won't be in the locker room, but it'll just be nice to see a hockey game again live. It's been a very it's been God March 11th. That's a lifetime ago. I didn't even attend that game. I it was uh, that's right. Mine, mine was a few days beyond that. That was a very weird night. March 11th. The whole world was like you know the 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 Rudy Gobert thing happened like in the first period, and just the rest of that night was just surreal just watching the world stop spinning in real time while we're watching a freaking hockey game and seeing people hugging and high-fiving and it's like are you not on twitter do you not know what's going on <laughs> it was a weird night um sounds good and uh yeah we'll have uh we'll practice here to cover in a few weeks so yeah um we'll uh, we'll start doing this regularly and uh happy hanukkah which passed and uh happy merry holidays christmas and, happy and new year that, to everybody all that jazz so um Yes, so for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.